Sports Talk Radio for the Brainerd Lakes. 1380 KLIZ AM. Brainerd Baxter, the fan. It's time for Lakes Woods and Irons at 1380 KLIZ, the fan. Featuring Colin McDonald and Chris Foley. Today's broadcast is sponsored by Craigan's Legacy Courses, Tito's Handmade Vodka, Rutgers Bay Lake Lodge, The Tea Hive, The Holiday Station on Mill Avenue, and Maury's Market. Streaming at lakeswoodsandirons.com, sponsored by Mills GM. And now, here's Chris Foley and Colin McDonald for Lakeswoods and Irons at 1380 KLIZ, The Fan. Welcome back to Lakes Woods and Irons, 1380 KLIZ, the fan, streaming at lakeswoodsandirons.com. Colin McDonald with you, Chris Foley as well, of course, and uh, at po- available now at Podcast One as well. want to remind uh, everybody that uh, streaming is brought your way by Mills GM and Mills Ford this month. Thanks to them for that. Chris, another uh, major this week with the change in schedule this year. This, this is the one that might be uh, hardest to kind of get a hold of right away. Uh, the tour always stretched out into uh, kind of mid-August with the uh, the Open Championship, but right now it's uh, we're 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 heading into it, the last major of the year. Yes, and uh, probably my, I, I I always go back and forth, but uh, my favorite major of the year, either this or the Masters, but I love the Open Championship, and I love waking up early at two three in the morning and watching for three or four hours before I go to work, and uh, it's always. Uh, it's always exciting because it's such a different venue than what we normally see. With your career in uh, in the golf world, um, this tournament's a lot. One of the only ones is kind of built for you to watch because you're out there working the time that all the guys are playing every week. Yeah, for sure. Uh, a lot of times you'll say, I haven't had a chance to watch a replay of this or that because you've been on the golf yeah, course exactly. the whole time the other guys are on the golf course. So uh, shifts to Ireland, which is kind of cool. Royal Portrush, it's called. And required a little reconfiguration, as you might guess, to a stage of the Open. First time in 68 years. Yeah, how about that? Yeah. So uh, they will host it. I think 1951 was the last time they hosted it. That's correct. And uh, he was kind of a flamboyant. I, I'll never think of his name. Oh, yes, I will, because I have it here. Uh, first time the Open was held there was 1951. And the uh, winner was Max Faulkner. And he was uh, a flamboyant character who dressed in brightly colored clothes in an era when golfing attire was much more somber. Yes, and <laughs> you know if you if you look at if you go back and and look at Max Faulkner's swing, uh, you can get some video on YouTube. Very reminiscent of recent tour winner Matthew Wolf. Really? Yes. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah, very reminiscent. You wonder now with the uh, the, the Open Championship. A lot of young guys in recent weeks in particular, uh, uh, Nate Lashley we talked about, not not really that young, but a, a guy, a new winner. Gary Woodland, of course, won the U.S. Open. Rory McIlroy is a fairly recent winner. Patrick Cantlay, Kevin Na. Rooks Kepka won the PGA Championship and always seems to be a, a threat. And uh, Brooks Kepka's caddy's home course is uh, Royal Portrush in Ireland, which right. might be a huge advantage. Yeah, it uh, you know definitely some local knowledge there, and uh, Port Rush is it, it's really pretty straightforward. It, mo- most links golf, um, you know, if, if for instance if if you play the old course, you have to play the old course at St. Andrews a lot to uh, to learn the right lines, 
and so a, a caddy there can definitely be a huge advantage to to teach you where where to te- where to place your tee shots and and that type of thing. Uh, Port Rush would would be more straightforward than than St Andrews, but having that local knowledge ne- never hurts. Yeah, and uh, uh, Rory's very excited because he's. He, 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 I was reading. He feels like it. You know, it might be a once in a lifetime opportunity. It doesn't go to Ireland very often. Uh, so he's pretty excited to uh, represent uh, his homeland and uh, and hopes to put on a good performance. Obviously, well, it's definitely a home game for Rory and uh, played Portrush many many times. Uh, if you go to the RNA website, there's some fantastic videos of Rory uh, talking about the golf course and 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 playing playing some of the holes. Uh, but he, you know, I I, ju- I just hope for Rory that he's not too. Doesn't put too much pressure on himself to perform, but he he is due to play well in a major here. He's, you know, he's had a couple down years, and I, I think uh, I think he's poised and ready to go. He's taken some time off and uh, has prepared hard for this one. He just hasn't uh, rolled in a whole lot of putts uh, in recent tournaments. He's playing pretty well, but uh, uh, boy, when he gets dialed, he's like well, any of these guys you were talking about the eighty twenty. Uh, Last week, as far as winning all your money, twenty percent right. of the tournaments, and when they get dialed, of course, uh, they are beyond belief how good they are. And uh, Tiger always the topic of conversation in every tournament he plays in. He hasn't played in a month now competitively. I'm sure he, you know, he practices as hard as anybody ever. But uh, does he need that competitive round within a week or two of playing the the Open Championship? Boy, it's. Uh... It will be interesting because it's it's a different. Tigers took a different approach this year uh, because of his health and his body to how he's prepared for tournaments. And uh, you know, going into the Masters, he played four out of five weeks. But since the Masters, he's only played uh, three events, I think. So it, it we'll we'll see. I mean, it you know, Tigers Tigers had great success in Lynx golf, so. Um, you know, Tiger's always a threat no matter where he plays. Yeah, he's never played the week before the Open Championship, which I didn't know until, uh, of course, all that information comes out prior to. But uh, he's never played the week before, so maybe he's not even. Maybe it won't bother him at all. Yeah, no. He t- generally, his, his typical routine was he would go over the week before, uh, not play. They always want, tried to get him playing in the Scottish Open, which is the week before, which is. Um, at the same time as the John Deere Classic, uh, and he uh, he's never played in that. But traditionally, he's played a bunch of links golf, gone over and went with some of his his friends like Mark O'Meara, and uh, they they played their way kind of through Scotland and Ireland, and uh, that's how Tom Watson used to prepare for the Open Championship. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm not sure if he's done that this week or not. We're not, we don't live in a great bump and run country for uh, the game of golf, but. Uh, that bump and run game, I kind of came a little bit out of my background in, on the, the drier, hard courses in Montana that I played. But uh, yeah, bump and run—it's—it's uh, it's kind of a fun game to play, really. Yeah, no question. And um, you know, at the pro level of the game, they—they, they, you know, they flight the ball so well and they hit it in the air, and it's not as much as it used to be. Even though the course conditions call for that type of play, the players are still, uh, you know carrying it in there for the most part unless you get a extremely you know baked out golf course like we saw a couple of years ago, ago at Carnoustie where you had to uh, you know you necessarily, couldn't necessarily land it on the greens you were landing at 20 30 40 yards short and and bouncing it up and yeah 
So it'll it'll be interesting to see what the what the conditions are at Portrush. Normally, you know, the the golf courses in Ireland are not nearly as firm and fast as they are in Scotland because they get so much more rain in Ireland than than they do in Scotland. We'll be a couple days in when uh, when the show airs on uh, Saturday morning, so uh, we'll both look bad or good here. Who who you who do you like? Well, I. Uh, that, that's a good question. I, I, I send, I, I'd like to see Tiger play, play well. I, I think Brooks Kepka is going to make another run once again. Uh, Rory McIlroy is, uh, I, I, I'd love to see Rory win. Um, I think we're going to see a, a very good tournament from Jordan Smith, and I think he's going to be in contention. Uh, you know, he's struggled on the weekend this year. He's taken several weeks off, three or four weeks off now. And uh, I think he probably has a lot of a lot of things worked out. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he thinks his way around a golf course quite well, and uh, it always seems like the Open Championship takes a lot of thinking your way around out Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Yeah, different shots every hole. Really. Yeah. I like maybe uh, Francisco Molinari too. Yeah. He uh, even though he's defending champ, he boy he's got a lot of game. He's added some distance off the tee, and it hasn't really affected his accuracy too much. So. Uh, of course, that's what's happening in the world of golf. You know, I, I worry about Francisco, what the, his master's loss did to him. Right, yeah. Um, didn't show up very well at the open, there at the U.S. Open. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be interesting. He, 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 you know, he's, he's a, um, you know, former champion, open champion. So we'll, we'll see what, uh, what happens there. And my old buddy Phil is looking 49 years old here the second half of the season. Well, he started out like uh, looked like it was going to be a great year for him. He won at Pebble, and it was uh, finished up quite high early in several tournaments. And uh, since then, has had trouble making cuts. So, well, I think uh, I think Phil had a lot of build up to the U.S. Open. I think he felt it was his last chance with his history at um, at Pebble Beach, and maybe some letdown after not not playing quite as well. Talk to him about the plane of his swing. Would you? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Looks like we'll get another good show going for British Open Week. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley and Colin McDonald at 1380 KLIZ, The Fan. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons, 1380 KLIZ, streaming at lakeswoodsandirons.com. Thanks to our sponsor, Mills GM and Mills Ford for that. Also available at Podcast One. We thought uh, with this being British Open week, we would uh, replay an interview that uh, Chris had with Bill Rogers. Bill was the 1981 British Open champion, and he had the opportunity to sit down with Bill uh, at Augusta a couple of years back and share some uh, memories of his great career playing through the uh, Nicholas Trevino, Watson, Crenshaw era, and also talks a little bit about Mr. Palmer, as the uh, players called him. So here's that interview, Chris Foley and Bill Rogers. Want to welcome to the show a good friend and one of the great gentlemen in the game, 1981 British Open champion Bill Rogers. A lot of lot of years <laughs> to look back, but yeah, 1981. Bill, I appreciate you coming on the show. At, uh, uh, six tour wins, correct, right, including yeah. the the British Open and uh, member of the Walker Cup team and the 81 Ryder Cup team. Yep. Uh, we just finished day one of the Masters. and Tell, tell me some of your thoughts on the day. Well, it was quite a day. I, I frankly can't believe the scoring. It was a tough, tough day. Um, I'll tell you, these guys, um, it, it really kind of takes me back 
down memory lane, actually, and thinking about, you know, it, it, uh, you faced tough conditions a lot playing the tour and, uh, you know, just trying to crawl in some of their minds out there watching, you know, these young kids and, you know, but that's all they do. That's what they do. And they're not out there worried about the, you know, the cold, the wind, they're just, uh, game on and the scoring, uh, in as tough a conditions as, I think any of them would admit they've ever played in at Augusta. Certainly, uh, the scoring was remarkable, and this Charlie Hoffman score just doesn't even make any sense. I'm, I'm telling you, my absolute bet was that 70 would be low today, and he shoots 65. Yeah, it, that score today had to be like shooting 60 on any normal day. Well, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I remember last year when it was so windy, and you and I were talking and um, talking about putting when it's so windy on these on these greens to to touch on that for me though i think that would be the uh maybe the thing that people would think is just still you know uh it's not that much affected but uh it's as tough to putt in windy conditions like that as it is to hit good golf shots and uh you know getting stable and balanced and uh catching putts solidly especially with these things as frightening fast as they are is it's a it's a real test it's a real test of patience and uh you really have to draw up an extra bit of focus i believe chris when you when you play in the tough tough conditions it's got to be hitting a straight you know, you, you've, if you have a flat putt and you've got a crosswind, it's got to be very difficult to be able to, one, know where to aim it, and then secondly, allow yourself to aim it in that spot. Exactly, because the, it was enough wind to move balls, certainly. Yeah. yeah. What, Bill, what, what was the last Masters you played in? 1986. Yeah. And, and how much has the course changed from then, or how much harder is it today than? A, a lot. Uh, you know, and not just from the uh, yardage tacked on, but uh, they've added trees, uh, uh, real strategically placed trees that pinch off. Uh, 17 uh, comes to mind first and foremost. I mean, you've got to really fit it in uh, in. in yeah, pretty close to the center of the fairway yeah. to, to, you know, to, to, to still play a normal, uh, shot into a difficult green. But, uh, you know, it, overall, they, the length and some of the, they, we had no rough when I played, uh, there was no rough at Augusta National, which w- one thing the ball would always roll out, uh, into the pine straw, which, sure. you know, was kind of, it wasn't exactly, Penalty, but it it made it a little uh, little more interesting playing shots out of pine straw. So uh, anyway, lots of things uh, uh, make the make the golf course more difficult. You, you played in the, really the the greatest era in golf with with Nicholas and Palmer and and Trevino and Ben Crenshaw, and you, you kind of spanned a, mm-hmm. a couple of great generations of golfers. Uh, and today there was a lot of reflection on Arnold Palmer. Do you, what, do you have any good Arnold Palmer stories you can share? Some some special memories of uh, of the King. Well, that's that's dangerous to ask a Texan <laughs> to tell a story. But uh, 
you know, uh, I do have uh, great memories of him. Uh, the fact that we're even speaking and doing this your radio show is testament to what Arnold Palmer did for us in the game. And, you know, he afforded uh, me, uh, as many, many other golf professionals, a chance to make a living at this game and uh, impacted us. Uh, he, he was a he was a, a gentleman. He was a, a kind of a pioneer. He was uh, he wasn't afraid, played without fear and played. Uh, just uh, he, he was everybody's favorite and uh, players as well. So, uh, you know, I just remember the time he was playing the Masters leading at 15 and Dave Marr was playing with him, my Ryder Cup captain. Uh, Dave was defending uh, uh, PGA champion. They were playing the 15th hole. Arnold had a one-shot lead and he was uh, – uh, Dave was right up by his golf bag and Arnold was deciding whether he was going to try to hit it over the water and finally he pulls the head cover off and real <laughs> dramatically and the fans went crazy that he was going to go for it and sure enough he takes a mighty whack you know and the club coming over his head and he takes this big divot out with the three wood and it's late in the day so there was a glare and he couldn't see the ball land and he looks at Dave Marr who was right there and says Davey did it get over he said hell Arnold your divot made it over <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that. he was he was dynamic and uh, swash. What is it, swashbuckling or whatever? And uh, played uh, played the game at uh, full tilt. You're listening to Lakes Woods and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. The fan streaming at lakeswoodsandirons.com. Thanks to our sponsor Mills GM. We'll be back with more of Chris's conversation with 1981 British Open champion Bill Rogers right after this. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley and Colin McDonald at 1380 KLIZ, The Fan. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ, streaming at lakeswoodsandirons.com. Thanks to our sponsor, Mills GM. We continue now with Chris's conversation with 1981 British Open champion, Bill Rogers. Who, who, who are some of your favorite players to play with, Bill? <laughs> well, uh, like you said, I, I, I do admit and or, or would agree with you, the greatest time to play golf, I think, when the, you know, from Palmer and Nicholas to, you know, Trevino, Floyd, Miller, Irwin. Uh, actually, those were members of, on my Ryder Cup team in 81, yeah. as well as uh, Crenshaw, Litsky, Jerry Pate, Larry Nelson. Wow. Tom Kite. We, what a uh, team. Yeah, well, I, you know, I wasn't too picky. It was just such a, uh, is a privilege. Uh, I didn't always look at it this way, a privilege to play the tour. And I, uh, it didn't bother me too much kind of who, who I played. I was very motivated, uh, to, to be successful because I wanted to play with all the great players. That, that's, that was my primary motivation. And then it become, became a little bit more earning a living and, you know, providing, yeah. but, uh, love playing with the best players. There, there's nothing like it. Yeah, you know, one, one of the things I, I always love spending time with you because you're so passionate about the game today and still such a fan of the game. And it's, uh, that's so much fun to, to hear the stories and who, you know, kind of talking about the, the, who, who are your mentors in the game? Who? Well, um, I don't know. I, I uh, was brought up in the game with my family. My dad and brother were good players, but an old East Texas golf professional and Jerry Robinson really saw some talent and some uh, some hope in my in in my golf game. And he kind of brought me along, taught me how to play, taught me how to compete, and you know, kind of uh, uh, he would be coach, mentor, golf 
professional, uh, you know, kind of almost like a second father figure. But he saw me through, and uh, he he kind of understood me better than I knew me, and uh, knew knew the steps to get me to. Uh, you know, to move me toward uh, choices that I'd have to make competitively. I mean, am I going to pay the price to be uh, good? And then am I going to continue to pay the price to be great? You know, those type things. And you need some, uh, you, you need some outside kind of counsel when, when sure. you're faced with those kind of decisions. You know, and so you, you played in a fantastic era, and it seems like we're coming into another great era, era of golf. I mean, uh, you know, I, it doesn't seem like Tiger's going to make a, a comeback that we'd like to see. I mean, everybody would love to see Tiger play well again, but we've got so many great young yeah. players in the game. Um, you know, what, what do you what do you see of the future, and who who are the players that you enjoy watching? Today? Well, the, the the game is in a good place right yeah. now. I think um, certainly uh, professional golf fans are embracing what's going on right now. Tiger, no doubt, had it, it was uh, the Tiger era, no question about it. What he did will never be repeated uh, in the time frame that he played. And, uh, but now it's a, it's a, a, kind of a new, new day, a new era. And you, you know, from Bubba Watson, Ricky Fowler, McElroy, Spieth, and, um, you know, I almost, I saw Adam Scott out there and I said, golly, he's kind, he's kind of the old man of the group now. <laughs> One of the but, older statesmen yeah. and he's only 32. 32. Or yeah. Justin Thomas, there are so many, Gary Woodland, there's so many unbelievable players yes. right now that you can't help but kind of fall in love with what's happening on the PGA Tour, or the World Tour. Yeah, know? absolutely. Yeah, And it, it has become truly a World Tour yeah. Yeah. Um, when you look at all, you know, the John Rahms and all the Henrik Stensons and all the great European players yeah. playing the game and playing our tour and with the World Golf Championships and stuff. No doubt, so. no doubt. Oh, you made it. Well, Bill, Is this one of your kids? I, I really appreciate you taking the time to be on the show today. And Thank you, it, Chris. Uh, uh, you, you, you have any predict after day one here, you have any predictions of what uh, what's going to happen the rest yeah, of the I, I really don't, but I do know that, uh, you know, you always want to play a great round, and certainly the Charlie Hoffman. But, you, you know, uh, you, you, you would probably more look at, you know, kind of how the thing is stacked. And I, I don't believe that anybody that shot 74, maybe even 75, I still don't believe uh, that they would be out of it. I, I remember back many years ago, Curtis Strange shot 80 the first round. That's right. And I think I remember kind of tough conditions. But then uh, on Sunday, he had a five-shot lead going into the back nine. Yeah. So anything can happen at this golf course. We know that for a fact. No question. It, it, generally, anybody who makes the cut has a chance of of winning the tournament. Yeah, some some crazy stuff can happen at uh, Augusta National, the yeah. Masters. So, well, Bill, thanks so much for taking the time to come on the show. You bet, Chris. Love you. That was, thank you, Bill. That was 1981 British Open champion Bill Rogers. That was Chris's conversation with 1981 British Open champion Bill Rogers. In 1981, Bill finished four under par to win the British Open, his only major. He did finish second in the U- in the U.S. Open that same year and won Player of the Year honors. Quite modest, didn't really talk about it much. But yeah, the 1981 winner of the Open Championship, he was the only player under par. He beat Bernard Langer by four shots. That was Chris's interview with Bill Rogers. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. 
You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley and Colin McDonald at 1380 KLIZ, The Fan. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you, 1380 KLIZ, The Fan, and uh, streaming at lakeswoodsandirons.com. Thanks to our sponsors, uh, Mills GM and Mills Ford this month. And uh, also now available at Podcast One and most uh, places where pod you can find podcasts. So just look under Lakes, Woods, and Irons. Chris Foley with me uh, from the uh, uh, practice range this morning. And uh, uh, Chris, uh, middle of the British Open, and there's been a lot of talk about uh, uh, the different style of play, of course, at the British Open. And uh, uh, you were recently out in Wisconsin at kind of a different uh, style of play, the dunes-type courses. Uh, this country loves to build the uh, build the Scottish style golf courses once in a while but it's a little bit different game isn't it from a from a teaching and playing point of view yeah you know I was, I was uh, during the break there Mac I was just looking at my calendar and I'm at 75 days from now I'm I'm on my way over to uh, Scotland for a couple weeks oh boy nice I am uh, I am fired up and, you know, talking about that, you know, America really doesn't have, they have very few true links courses. You know, we've got some in the Northeast part of the U.S. So, you know, out on Long Island and, and, um, you know, Massachusetts and, and Rhode Island, there, there's some great links golf courses. And then, then on the West Coast, you know, you get a, a golf course like Pebble Beach. Uh, that is linksy, but it, it's really not a, a links golf course, even though it's on the ocean. Probably the closest thing on the West Coast would, would be Band and Dunes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, when you go when you go to to Scotland and Ireland, that, that that's where you really uh, see true links golf courses. And the, and the definition of links is the is that the the land that links the 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 sea and the, or the yeah the land that links the sea to the to the land and and uh why there are so many golf courses on on those pieces of land is uh that you know back 100 150 years ago farmers could not use that land for farming sure and it would be more for they'd graze sheep on it they'd graze cattle on it those type of things but it became uh as golf came into prominence it became the perfect site for those golf courses and uh thankfully it did because it's it's truly the the best golf in the world in my opinion and um you know the what, what we see as we're watching golf, you know watching tv this weekend is you know generally port rush and the golf courses in ireland are not as as firm generally as what you see in scotland uh but the golf courses they're very dunesy they're all built on sand um because it's because they're next to the ocean or the sea the the wind blows much harder than it typically does in the states and so it calls for for somewhat a little different style of play and you know if if you if you remember last year at carnoustie uh where it was so firm and fast the players were hitting a lot more you know, irons off the tee, you know, driving irons, three irons off the tee where the, they, they would flight the ball down and it would roll out forever and it wouldn't get up in the wind. And, um, and we're seeing a little bit of that this week. You know, it's not nearly as firm as and fast, but you know, because of the wind, players tend to flight the ball down a lot more. They had a lot more punch shots in the greens. Um, and the, you know, with the, with the, the fescue and tall rough, 
it uh, it adds a different element that we generally don't see from week to week on the PGA Tour, but we may see in in a you know a major championship like the U.S. Open. Sure, it's yeah, I just it's a interesting style of play. It's taken real thinkers over the years, thinkers and great players like most majors. It's you know you start to look at the past winners and it's it's always great players. The British, uh, uh, the great Peter Thompson, I think won the British Open five times. Then the '60s, here came. Uh, Arnie revitalized things in the in the in the Open Championship by coming from America and winning it a couple of times. At the time, the greatest player in the world. Then he brought Nicholas and Player along. Of course, Player was had played in it before. Then Watson. Just the names are amazing. Tiger, uh, even Greg Norman, just was a stellar in that tournament. Won a couple of times. Yeah. Guys that really think it through. Watson, probably the premier example of a guy sixty years old that almost won the British Open. Yeah, I think it tends to be much more, you know, much more shot makers type of golf courses where guys who visualize, you know, so well. And um, one of my favorite aspects about Lynx golf is is how the how the ball moves on the ground, and you know, you have all these undulation and slope and um, around the greens, and where you know you don't to get it to the pin, you may have to aim, you know. 20, 30, 40 yards right or left and let, let the slope of the, of the ground take the ball of the hole. And, um, to me, that's just such a great aspect of the game of golf and was something you really don't see on the PGA tour, uh, from week to week. But when you get on this links golf, you, you see a lot of that. Um, to me, that's one of the, the joys of golf is watching that ball, you know, run along the ground and, and seek, seek the low point, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I've been thinking about since our uh, guest a uh, week or two back, uh, balance in the golf swing, Chris. We've talked about that, but uh, you've kind of got some cool drills that uh, when you're when you're teaching, you can use. Also, a, a question from the tee, uh, which could just as well be me asking it. You hit a couple <laughs> of hit a couple of good shots on the golf course, and then you then you stray a little bit, and you can't seem to get back to that swing where you're. You feel like you're kind of dialed, even if it's three, four holes, whatever it might be. Then you lose it, and then you can't get it back. Yeah, you know that that that's so common, and um, I, I think that everybody fights that. And r- really, what happens is, you know, w- w- when you're working on your golf game, you need to come to the realization that we don't make a, a lot of different swings. We make the same. Our swings are very consistent. It's just that our ball flight is inconsistent based on timing. So generally, a you know the same swing error generally causes three to five misses. And if we have that realization of what our errors are and what our misses are, and you just have to go back to whatever your key thoughts are for you know to to correct that swing, so to speak, or more make it more efficient. And what happens? You're on the golf course, and let's say you you know you're going along, and now all of a sudden you hit hit a shot way to the right and generally most people will go on their very next shot they're thinking i've got to correct that shot to the right now all of a sudden they hit one way left and the next shot's a correction for the last shot and that process continues so all of a sudden you're going you go down this rabbit hole where you get totally away from what you are working on in your golf swing and you're in this process of correcting every shot, which you don't have to do. Yeah. And now, now you can't get back to, back to center or balance. And, um, 
the players who have an understanding of their misses tend not to do that. But when we don't, when we're correcting every swing, which we don't have to do, you just have to go back to, you know, what makes the swing efficient. Then we tend to stay much more on track from, from shot to shot and from day to day. Yeah, that's, I think that's a great danger. Even the greatest players in the world sometimes start to, you wonder where a guy went and you think he, well, he kept tweaking and tweaking and tweaking to try to be perfect instead of just pretty darn good all the time. Yeah. And, uh, so you start, I think we all start terrible and then maybe we work our way up to bad and then, <laughs> and then the swing's okay and, and the game's pretty good. Then maybe it's really good. And then you have at some point in time, you know, how many times, you know, you can say that that's the best eight iron I've ever hit. Well, right. chances are you're right. not doing that again, but you want to you want to stay at least good and pretty good uh, as much as you can. Exactly. Yeah, that's very interesting. Understanding your misses—that is uh, what the pros do better than anybody else, I think. Well, yeah. If, if you have an understanding of of why the golf ball for you why the golf ball goes where it does, boy, it's it's so much easier to self correct on the golf course and then stay on track because. You know, it, it doesn't matter what level you're at, whether, you know, it's Rory McIlroy this weekend or Tiger this weekend, or you and I playing a, you know, a four ball match at the Legacy. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody hits bad shots. And, you know, the player that wins the Open Championship this weekend is not going to be the player that hits the, the greatest shots. It's going to be the player who has the best miss hits and makes the most putts. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Chris, good segment. Appreciate it. Thanks, Mac. By next week, we'll know the uh, British Open winner, and we want to thank uh, It was kind of fun to replay our, our your interview with Bill Rogers, which is so good, and uh, we thought that would work out nicely. The 1981 champ uh, was nice enough to join you at Augusta, and so a replay of that this week uh, since it's the British Open, and he won back yeah. in 1981. So Yeah, one, one, one of the great gentlemen in the game of golf and uh, just such a, a wealth of knowledge and great stories. All right, thank you, Chris. Thank you, Mac. That is Chris Foley. I'm Mac. You've been listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Thanks for listening to today's edition of Lakes, Woods, and Irons at 1380 KLIZ, The Fan. Today's broadcast is sponsored by Craigan's Legacy Courses, Tito's Handmade Vodka, Rutgers Bay Lake Lodge, The Tea Hive, The Holiday Station on Mill Avenue, and Maury's Market. Streaming at lakeswoodsandirons.com, sponsored by Mills GM. We now return to our regularly scheduled program at the Lake Sports Talk 1380 KLIZ The Fan.